be times when you're facing disappointment and you're not sure what to do, where to go, how to move forward. In this new series, Where Do We Go From Here?, we're reminded that answers and direction can always be found in the Word of God. Let's jump in. How many of you have ever read a map or may have gone to a mall, which is something I'd like to do, and read the directory of stores? Raise your hand. Okay, that's most of you. Now, I do want you to know that when I, you're in this with me, we're going to explore this subject matter together, okay? So if I say something or I ask something, it's okay for you to say something back, okay? It's, it's kind of interactive in a way. All right, well, in both instances of either reading a map or the directory of stores, you probably did so to get direction. In other words, you wanted to reach a certain destination and you wanted to know how to get there from your current position, correct? Okay. When reading the store directory, they usually place a star showing your current position so that you know how to proceed to your desired destination. Where modern technology has provided us with a global positioning system or GPS. A global system of U.S. navigational satellites developed to provide precise positional and velocity data and global time synchronization for air, sea, and land travel. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> anyway, whether utilizing a map, a store directory, or a GPS, they all are tools designed to answer the same question. Where do we go from here? Everyone that's under the sound of my voice is going to embark upon a journey, getting an answer to that very same question. Where do we go from here? As a congregation, it couldn't be a more obvious question. As most of you know, we are moving forward into a new facility while believing God for a new on-site pastor. There are those of you who have been asking yourselves this question for a while now. I understand it, and I applaud your courage. Now, I want you to come and go with me as we explore different avenues while reaching our destination. The first avenue that we are approaching deals with the subject matter of wounded soldiers, which happens to be the title or the subtitle, I should say, of tonight's message. To make sure that we're on the same page, I'm going to offer definitions. According to the dictionary, soldier is defined as a noun, meaning, one, a person who serves in an army, a person engaged in military service, two, a person of military school skill or experience, for example, George Washington was a great soldier, or three, a person who contends or serves in any cause, such as a soldier of the Lord. The dictionary defines wounded as an adjective, meaning suffering, injury, or bodily harm, as a laceration or a bullet wound, or two, marred, impaired, damaged, such as a wounded reputation or wounded feelings. If we chose synonyms or similar words for wounded, we might choose damaged, harmed, hurt, injured. To be clear, 
for the purpose of our journey, we'll be focusing on soldiers in the army of the Lord who have been damaged, harmed, hurt, or injured, in other words, wounded. I will admit that this isn't, it's not subject matter that's generally discussed. I believe that is why we need to spend a little time with it. The topic of soldiers is mentioned throughout scripture. Songwriters have even used the word as well. I remember as a child (laughs) listening to Shirley Caesar and her sister singing a song about being a soldier in the army of the Lord. Oh, you remember that? Wow. Now, I am going to spare you uh, my (laughs) lack of singing skills, (laughs) Uh, so I won't sing it. But wasn't that a good song? I think so, too. Um, well, anyway, turn with me in your Bibles to Second Philippians, or not Second Philippians, me, Second Philippians, Philippians, the second chapter, and we're going to look at the twenty-fifth verse, and I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. It doesn't matter your translation, whichever it is. I promise we'll end up in the same place. And how many of you have it? If you do, say I have it. Praise God. Okay, so Philippians 2, 25 in the Amplified says, However, I thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus back to you. He has been my brother and companion in labor as my fellow soldier, as well as having come as your special messenger, apostle, and minister to my need. Now that's basically Paul writing to the believers in Philippi. And he was really commending one of the brethren in that particular verse. Now, I'm going to read also, and I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy, the second chapter. And I'm going to read this again out of the Amplified. You'll notice the Amplified happens to be one of my favorite translations. Because it kind of breaks it down. It's impossible for you to not really get it. Um, And we're going to read the fourth verse. In the second chapter of 2 Timothy. And it says, No soldier, when in service, gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. His aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. Now these two verses of scripture confirm the term of soldier being used leading us to a verse, verses of scripture that I know you guys know, probably like the back of your hand. And I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 18. When you have it, let me know and just say I have it. Oh, you guys are good. Okay. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, starting at the 10th verse says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which 
with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end and all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now, we could spend literally hours of study just on Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It's quite interesting to me that, I mean, it's all of these years later, but we as believers, it's been years since the Apostle Paul wrote these passages of scripture, but we as believers are still indeed engulfed in a battle. Now, God made sure that the terminology used was crystal clear. I don't know about you, but I really appreciate it for this reason. He didn't make it sound or he didn't allow the scripture to sound like once you're born again you're going to be tiptoeing through the tulips and there are going to be butterflies and bubbles in the air and you know he didn't give us this fairy tale silliness that you know sometimes we may imagine he made it very clear that we are in the midst of a battle the great news is though we win praise God okay so again we could spend our searching scripture displaying where soldiers have been wounded one way or another. Let's turn quickly to Acts, the 16th chapter. And I'm going to be reading this out of the New King James Version. As a matter of fact, let's read it together. So let's go to Acts 16, and we're going to start reading at verse 35. So do you have it? Ready? Read. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officer saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. The whole main reason that I read this is because it's an example of Paul, who's already mentioned earlier that he considered himself a soldier of the Lord who had been wounded because they had been beaten badly. So it's written in numerous verses of scripture how God is concerned about any damages we face. Anything. Anything. It doesn't matter. He cares because he really loves us. So turn with me to Psalm 34. And... Again, I'm going to read this out of the New King James. So it's Psalm 34, and we're going to pick it up at the 17th verse. And it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. How many is included in all? Right. So he doesn't, obviously, God does not want us to have troubles. We're not supposed to be toting them around because he delivers us out of all of them. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of how many? All. Okay. So while you're in Psalms, turn with me to the 147th Psalm. And we're going to look at verse 3. And again, I'm going to read that out of the Amplified. Have it? You're so good. Okay. Uh, Psalm 147, verse 3 says, 
He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, curing their pains and their sorrows. What I want you to really pick up in this is curing their pains and their sorrows. Keep in mind that when oftentimes we talk about wounds, and we're going to go to Isaiah 53 in a minute, we tend to, as believers, always think of physical wounds. You know, like uh, sickness and disease is a physical attack on our body. So therefore, we know that himself took that and bore our sicknesses and disease or those wounds. We, we, we get that. We know that. But what we oftentimes don't remember is that if you're walking around and you have pain and you have sorrow, you're wounded. I mean, so the good news is he cares about us and that's been taken care of too. So you may be asking, okay, Iva, so where's all this going? (laughs) What does all of this mean? Well, simply this. For those of us that are born again believers, we are figuratively speaking soldiers fighting a battle in the army of the most high God. We are his people. We belong to him. Proving that, turn with me to 1 Peter, the second chapter, and we're going to read verses 9 through 12. When you get there, let me know. (laughs) Okay, what's so funny? You got it? You are really good. Okay. (laughs) Okay, 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 9, it says, But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, but your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. What I really like is if you look at verse 11 and 12 in the Amplified, it says, beloved, I implore you as aliens and strangers and exiles in this world to abstain from the sensual urges, the evil desires, the passions of the flesh, your lower nature that wage war against the soul. Conduct conduct yourselves properly, honorably, righteously among the Gentiles so that although they may slander you as evildoers, yet they may by witnessing your good deeds come to glorify God in the day of inspection when God shall look upon you as wanderers, as a pastor or shepherd looks over his flock. The thing that I really, it it proves that we are in this world, but we are truly not of it. So when you think about all this, CCC East, do you think for a moment that the God that we serve, the most high God, the one who sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life wants us his soldiers walking around wounded damaged harmed hurt or injured I think not 
equally as important, how effective can we be serving his kingdom if we are wounded? Think about this. If for some reason you had to visit the emergency room, not that I'm speaking that you do, but just imagine this. If you had to visit the emergency room for treatment, you would want the best of care, correct? Okay. You would not expect the doctors, nurses, and staff to be injured themselves. I mean, can you imagine a doctor trying to examine you and he's bleeding out all over the floor and he doesn't have any hands? I mean, okay. Or the nurse is trying to take your vitals and she doesn't have sight because maybe one of her eyes is hanging out, okay, and she really can't hear you. I mean, that's not what you're looking for when you go there and you want urgent care, correct? Okay. Well, you admit it would be rather challenging. Well, when people enter into our church... Many of them are coming here in critical condition, emergency situations, and they need the most urgent of care. How, I mean, we're going to try to minister to them, but we're walking around damaged. That's not a good, that's not God's best. Let's put it that way. It's not God's best. They need soldiers in God's army that are strong, that are built up, that are loving, and are free of wounds themselves. I submit to you, in churches all over the world, this is not happening. It is one of the reasons that the body of Christ has such a poor PR image. The message may, this message may not reach churches all over the world, but it can begin here at CCC East. I know for a fact that there are many of you who are wounded, some more deeply than others. I know that this may not be an easy topic or a popular one, but it is my assignment nonetheless. I am here to remind you that God loves you truly loves you beyond your comprehension. CCC East, God has not forgotten us. He knows what we need and he has already provided more than we can think or ask. You already know Ephesians 3.20 And if you don't, 20 to 21, if you don't, I'll just remind you. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ, by Jesus Christ, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified because it breaks it down just a little bit more. Now to him who, by, in consequence of, the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So be it. Now, if that doesn't make it crystal clear that we don't have to be concerned, he's got it covered. I I mean, I don't know. (laughs) 
So we just have to believe and we have to trust him. He's never failed us and he's not about to fail us now. So you don't have to turn to it, but just jot some of these things down because already the clock is not my friend. So I want you to just jot down because it's already written in Hebrews 4.14 and Hebrews 2.17 that Jesus is our high priest. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 tells us that. He lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 tells us that. To add to that, Romans 8.26 lets us know that the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and prays for us when we don't know how to pray as we ought. As a matter of fact, that one I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. It's Romans 8.26 and 27, those verses, and it says, So too... The Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. So we've got, we've got it covered. So with that being said, the best is yet to come. Our new building is yet to come. Our new on-site pastor is done. We just have to get ready. And one of the first things to do is make sure we're not all walking around here wounded. Okay, so that we're going to take care of. Now, before we can leave the avenue of wounded soldiers, we have some important business to take care of. Even though I'm confident that you know these scriptures, turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 53, 5. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Now, let's look at 1 Peter 2.24. Again, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. He personally bore our sins in his own own body on the tree as an as on an altar and offered himself on it that we might die cease to exist to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds we have been healed god wants us to know that these verses of scripture don't just pertain to physical healing but rather to all of our wounds. In order for us to move forward away from this avenue of being wounded soldiers, we have to deal with it. There are those of us who've been hurt, deeply hurt in our lives, and we have yet to deal with it. Some of us have been injured by members in the body of Christ. (laughs) Some of us come into church 
and can't even leave without being injured by something someone has said or something someone has done. I would like to believe that people don't mean (laughs) to say and do some of the things that they do. They just, you know, maybe they think they're trying to help, you know, I don't know. But in any way, we just have to encourage ourselves and not let it bother us. We are all taught as Christians that we're too blessed to be stressed, we're above and not beneath, we're the head and not the tail. That's all wonderful. You know, you can greet somebody and say, hi, how are you? They're going to tell you they're blessed. They're going to tell you, you know, some people have a whole long list, okay, of all the things. And I'm not knocking that. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying we shouldn't say that or we shouldn't, you know, be positive in our confessions. I mean, Apostle Price has already taught us that our faith is never going to rise above the level of our confessions. So that's fine. But right now, what I want you to do is take the representative that you bring to church. You know, the one that you put on your little nice clothes and try to do your hair and, you know, fix yourself up and come here. I want you to put that person to the side. Right now, I want you to deal with the authentic you. The one that stands before Jesus And there's nothing else but just you and him. You stand before the Father and it's just you and him. Without all of this pretense that we tend to, you know, put on when we come out in the public. Okay? What I am suggesting by doing that is that we take some time to deal with our past hurts, damages, and wounds. So that we can eradicate them and move forward. Why? To fulfill God's purpose, being free as he intended us to be. Now, (laughs) I don't know, you see, I know my story. I don't want to pick on any of you because, you know, (laughs) that never works. And I have to tell you the truth. I really didn't want to tell this part of my story. Because I just didn't really want to. It's not the most, it wasn't my shining moment, so to speak. So I didn't want to. But I love you so much. And I believe that God allowed me to walk through this part of the journey, even though it wasn't my shining moment. Maybe just for this. Maybe just for it to be able to bless somebody and help somebody else. And if that's the case, you know what? That's fine with me and it's all worth it. So, repeat after me. This is Iva's story. Okay, good. So, this has nothing to do with any of you. So, I don't want you, you know, saying, well, why does she say that? And she's picking on this person and picking on that person. It has nothing to do with anybody. This is all on me. But I'm sharing it with you because I want to share with you God's grace and his mercy. And how even if you don't get something quite right, he's for you and you can be set free too. That's the point. So that's the whole purpose of me sharing it. It's not because I want you to feel sorry for me or anything like that. So I'm giving you all these disclaimers and you know what? It's even sad when you think about it that I have to feel like I have to put out all these disclaimers in the body of Christ. I would like to think that I love you enough to share it, that you love me enough to receive it and I don't have to do all that. But Because I know that we haven't all arrived yet, I'm putting out the disclaimers, okay? So now that we got that, let me get to my story. Now many of you know part of it because 
you know, <laughs> many of you have had the opportunity to speak to me. So for those of, if you've heard this part, just, you know, don't worry about it. But some people who don't know, I have to share them to bring them up to snuff. Okay, so I was born, we won't talk about how many years ago that was, a long time ago. Okay, I was born and my parents loved me. That's great news, happy about that. Most babies when they were born, they were so cute. They were coming home at five pounds, so cute. I came home at almost nine pounds. So I started out the gate definitely larger than most, okay? And um, when I went to kindergarten, uh, all the little kids stand, you know, they take those cute little pictures and all the little kids are standing in a row and then here's Iva over here, okay? The height that I am now, I was at nine and a half years old. By the time I was 10, this is my height. I had to start wearing adult clothes, oh my gosh, really, really young because they didn't make clothes for people my size, okay? It just didn't happen. So for me, I started developing a really, I don't want to say it was a poor self-image. I just felt like I was foreign. I felt like the alien. But the thing was, I didn't have anybody explain to me that it was okay. You know, they just kind of let it go. Now, I'm sharing this with you because I want you to see how the enemy works. You see, I have people who prayed for me even before I got here. And then even after I became born again and spirit-filled and loved the Lord, that, and that's a wonderful thing. That happened in 1984. I'll never forget it. But if you do not understand what you're dealing with, the enemy can still trip you up or mess around with your mind. And that's exactly what he did to me. So here I am, you know, I'm this little person, not really little, but you know, this person who's going along in life, I always felt bigger than life. And that sounds like that's okay. And for a lot of people, I've always admired them because they were always okay with it. I never was. And I believe wholeheartedly that the enemy kind of figured I'm going to start messing with her as early as possible because I'm going to get her right where I want her to be. And I can say to you that even after being born again in 1984, I can remember when my eldest daughter graduated from college and I can tell you exactly how much I weighed, exactly what I wore, and exactly that I would only take one picture with her because I didn't want to embarrass her because of my size. And I don't just mean size with weight. I mean everything about me. My bones are big. I mean, when I, I went through a period of anorexia, they didn't know how to term it that way. My mother cried because she didn't know what is happening with this child from the ages of 11 to 14. I actually was trying to starve myself because I was trying to be small. I always, my dream was to be five feet at the tallest and be one of those people who they could say never reached 100 pounds. Okay. I was born, let me tell you something. You could starve me. You could just take my dog on bones. They weigh more than 100 pounds, okay? It's just not going to happen. But if the enemy can affect your mind, it doesn't really matter. See, perception is more powerful than reality. And what I am saying to you tonight is that there are some things that you are dealing with 
It could have been something that somebody said to you when you were in grade school, where they told you, oh, you, you know, it just takes you a long time to learn. You're slower than the other person. And that thing followed you. And here you are, a believer, born again, spirit-filled, love the Lord. And you might not want to serve in church because you feel like, well, I don't know if I can do that because I might not be able to, to get what I'm supposed to fast enough. So I'll just sit here. So what has the enemy done? He's helped to neutralize you, okay? He definitely tried to do that with me. Now, now, one of the things that I haven't shared, even Stan doesn't know this. When you got, yeah, I know, what I give up for you all, I love you so much. Um, one of the things that everybody knows that, well, maybe everybody doesn't know, but my husband and I had the privilege to serve at uh, the Crusades for years and years and years. What he doesn't even know is... The reason I went into the counseling department was because in my mind, for me to be a hostess, those people stood out in the front. You'd see me. So for me, I was like, where can I go where I can't be seen? But listen to the catch. I didn't want to be seen because I thought I would offend people from receiving the word. So I was like, let me go into the counseling department because when you put those little packets out, nobody's there. So it's just me and the Lord. So I can pray, put the packets out. Nobody even knows I'm there. So I haven't offended anybody. Now, the enemy, once again, is such an idiot because that very experience that he meant what he was doing with my mind for evil, the Lord turned that thing around, okay, for his glory. But still, at the time, that's how I felt, I felt like there is nothing that I can do because I don't want to keep God's people from receiving the best because of me. Now, there could be those of you here that you're dealing with other things. It may not be that. I'm just sharing again. I have a story, okay? Then I come to this wonderful church and I'm going to tell you, we have some people here who are extra special. I had somebody come up to me, wasn't even a month ago, and had the actual audacity to say to me, oh, are you still on the same eating program that you used to be on? Because it, it really, you know, it, it, it doesn't really seem like it's working. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. You know, it's nice to see you today too, you know. But again, back to the importance of why I'm sharing this with you. You see, whatever you think, and again, the enemy can only, he can't touch you. Once you are born again and spirit filled, just born again, his rights, are, they're all off. You belong to God, okay? But he can affect your mind with the thoughts, the ideas, and the suggestions. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So here we go. I'm born again, I'm spirit filled, I'm serving in the church, and all seems to be well. But let's keep messing with our mind. <laughs> because, again, when you mess with a person's mind, it enters into their heart. When it gets to their heart, it affects their belief system, it affects their actions, and then if you're really, if the enemy's really doing well, it affects what comes out of their mouth. And how many of you realize you are living your words? Okay, so he had me right where he wanted me to be because 
I would be the person who would enter into the room and I felt already like I was the elephant in the room. So I made sure that I said every fat joke, every big joke, every elephant, anything that was degrading and debasing, I said it. Because I felt like if I say it first, then if they say it, it won't hurt so bad. Horrible, but I did it. Now, to show you how you live what you say. And this is just amazing to me that I could be this, whatever. Here's, here's the thing. I literally spoke into existence a thyroid condition. Because since I kept talking about how big I was, and trust me, I have been, I started dieting at six years old. I have been on every single diet probably there ever is. And, you know, oh, just the things I've done to myself. But the thing was, I kept speaking about how slow my metabolism is. You know, I don't know why this, and I don't know why that. So I then get a report from the doctor that my thyroid just doesn't function. So, I, but I, I did that because I kept speaking it. I bought what he was putting here. I allowed it to come into here, and it affected my actions. It affected what I said. I created it. The enemy had help. I helped him. That's why I'm sharing it with you tonight. I don't want you. Learn experientially. Don't make the same mistakes I made. Now the good news is, hallelujah, I'm free. I am free because for the first time, I did what I'm going to tell you in a few minutes to do. Because I will never stand before you and ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So I went ahead and I did it and I have to tell you, it took me over 50 some odd years to get to this point. Now, of course, I will pay attention the same way I've been trying to do with what to eat and what to do and all the rest of that. I mean, you know, I'm not just going to go out and have a smorgasbord and just say whatever, but I've been set free to the point where you know what? I don't give a care if you don't like my size. It doesn't matter to me. You want to know why? Because it's not about me. It's all about God. And he can take me at whatever size I am. He can be a blessing to somebody else. That's what's important. And that's what I had to learn. So guess what? I'm a soldier. But I'm not wounded. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. I am excited about that. It's so important that each one of you realize that Jesus Christ of Nazareth died just for you. When he walked down the Via Della Rosa that day and people were spitting on him and taunting him as he carried the very cross that they were going to crucify him on, he did it just for you. When he went to the spot called the place of the skull, in Hebrew it's called Golgotha, and they took nails about eight inches long and they drove them into his hands and his feet. He did that just for you. And when they whipped him, with actual chunks of flesh coming off of his body. He did it just for you. And when they shoved that crown of thorns on his head and pierced 
his side with spears for blood to flow, that scripture would be fulfilled. He did it just for you. So when you truly understand what Isaiah 53, 5 and 2 Peter 2, 24 illustrate, I submit to you that you, we're not supposed to be wounded in any way. No different than we're supposed to sign for a package for sickness. Okay? We don't do that. The price has already been paid just for you and for me. Turn with me to Psalm 55, 22. And I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. While you're looking, go real quick to 1 Peter 5. And I want you to look at the seventh verse. And I'm going to read that one to you out of the Amplified 2. And it says, Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all. Notice what it says. Once and for all. Not going back over and over and over. But once and for all cast it upon him. For he cares for you affectionately. And cares about you watchfully. My concern tonight is that if we carry around our cares. Without ever dealing with them. They become strongholds. And a stronghold is likened to a fortress. And that's never, in this particular instance, a good thing. Because a stronghold, it's a mental thought pattern that keeps you from God's best, just like in my story. So, if left alone, it can lead to hurt, to harm, to damage, or to wounds. And again, when you think about it, that's exactly what the enemy wants. His job is to destroy us. If you turn to John the 10th chapter and the 10th verse, and again, you probably know this verse of scripture, but I'm just going to remind you of it anyway. And it says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Again, he can't do any of that without our help. He has to seek whom he can devour. And he does it in the battlefield of our minds with our thought, with his thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Your thoughts always will affect your mindset, which will always affect your heart and belief system, your actions, and your confessions. Let's look back at Ephesians 6 and just look at the 12th verse really quickly. And <laughs> you at this point will probably find it faster than I will. <laughs> mm. Okay, here we go. If we look at the 12th verse, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers 
of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And how many of you realize that sometimes when you come to church, you are dealing with people who haven't matured enough yet and the enemy tends to use them too. And I, you know, bless their hearts. I don't believe that they intentionally are trying to be hurtful, but sometimes they can be. So just realize that you're not fighting them because we're not fighting flesh and blood. It's not that person who said something that was absolutely horrible to you. So just forgive them, love them, and know it's the enemy that you're in this battle with. And we've got to put a stop to all of this. We've got to do it so that our wrong thinking on any issue does not become a stronghold, does not create another wound. When you think about it, it's important that we do whatever we can to eradicate it. And I want you to take a few minutes and start thinking about that. Because I mean, I know what I just said is like a mouthful, but you know, some of you, now some of you, I will admit, you may be sitting here and you're like, I don't have any issues. I don't have anything that I'm carrying around. I'm perfectly fine. I don't know what she's talking about. You know, maybe you feel as if you don't. Great. Praise God. If you don't, that's wonderful. But I submit to you, there's somebody in your life or somebody that you're going to come across who does. And you, being this wonderful soldier of the Lord, need to be able to minister to them. Understand, everybody has a story to tell. It could be from when you were a child and you don't know where your father went. You just know he was there for part of the time or you may never have even met your dad. Okay, it could be that you are a person who you put on this wonderful face, but you had an abortion years ago. And every time you see a little child that's about the same age as the child you killed, it bothers you and it grips you, but you wouldn't dare tell that to anybody. That's one of those little secret things you keep to yourself. It could be that even though you know that once you were born again, that God places all of your sin in the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. But it's very hard for you because you keep bringing it back and you keep seeing yourself and you keep seeing those memories. That in of itself hurts. That's a wound. That's harmful. And we need to get rid of all of that. So, I have an assignment. Because, of course, I'm going to give you homework. <laughs> so, your homework assignment for this week is I want you to sit and take some time. And when you do it, this, you got to schedule this, okay? Because this has to be time when you cannot be interrupted by the phone, by your family, nothing. I want it to just be you and the Father. Take off all of, you know, your representation and your fake stuff and all the rest of that and put it to the side. And I want you to think. I want you to go way back to the beginning. Because you see, there are people here, you may not even realize that you're hurt at the thought that we are going to be leaving this building. There are some of you who are really hurt by that. 
and you, you know, you don't necessarily know how to process it because again, we're believers. So we're, you know, we're above, we're not, you know, so you, you don't want to process it, but it's hurting you. It's bothering you. You don't get it. You don't understand it. There are some of you here, and remember in the beginning that I said, I understand you asking the question of where do we go from here, and I understand it, and I appreciate and applaud your courage. You know why? Because you're still here getting the answer. You are still here trusting the apostle, trusting Crenshaw Christian Center East. You are here. You didn't just pick up your little marbles and leave. And I applaud that. But we still have to deal with whatever emotions you've got concerning that. There are some people here, you see, I'm dealing with the real stuff. Like I said, tonight, this is real. All of that cutesy tootsy stuff, we're putting it to the side. There are some of you who are upset that certain pastors are not here anymore. Some of you, remember I said perception is more powerful than reality? Some of you have perceived these stories of what has happened to certain people. It's like, where did y'all get that from? But it's easier for you because you don't want to process the fact that your favorite man of God isn't here. You know, I'm just being real. What I want you to do is you be real. Stand before the Father with whatever it is. There are some of you, we know we're not participating with the recession because we are in the world, we're not of it. But we also know we need to have money in our hands. And there are people who are out of work. There are people who do not have jobs. And of course, there are people who sit here and they're like, okay, I'm not 20, I'm not 25. I can't just go in there and smile and they're just gonna give me the job now. So what, what am I gonna do? There are some of us who are dreams. We have, we have been under such wounds and having such a wounded spirit that we don't even bother to dream. We, we don't even sit and think about any dreams. Our dreams have been canceled. That's not from God. That's not what he wants. He came that we might have life and have it how? Okay, so more abundantly means we can dream. More abundantly means if you want to take that vacation and say, okay, I'm going to take three weeks and I just want to go to Greece or I want to take two weeks or I'm of retirement age. So I want to take six months and just get on a cruise ship and travel the world. Why can't we do that? But I submit to you, some of us have gotten so bogged down that we don't even realize we're wounded. I mean, you know, you can have something nagging at you for so long, it becomes who you are. You know, like I read, now this is a real strange song, but you know, I'm different. So <laughs> there's this song that Billie Holiday used to sing, Good Morning, Heartache. Okay, and what that whole song to me symbolizes is she got so used to having a heartache that she just said good morning to it. Okay, there are many of us who are carrying around such baggage that we might as well say good morning to it and we don't even realize it. So I'm calling you and I'm charging you and your assignment is to stand before your father. Enter into the throne room, just you and him, and process some stuff. Get it straightened out. I want you, being your authentic self, to write down on a piece of paper every wound 
that you've been carrying around. It doesn't matter if it was from years ago or if it was from this afternoon. Write it down. It doesn't matter if it seems like a little scratch or if it seems like a gaping hole that you'd receive with the gunshot of a double barrel shotgun. Whatever it is, write it down. Include even the most secret things that you wouldn't tell anyone but God. And when you've done that, when you write it down, I want you, when you're finished, to take one last look at it. Notice what I said. One last look at it. And then I want you to destroy the paper. I don't care how you destroy it. Either you shred it, you crumple it up, you tear it up. For me personally, I flush mine down the toilet because I realized that for all of those years of carrying all of that, that's just where it needed to be, okay? Do whatever it is that you need to do. And at that moment, by faith, the same way you received your salvation, I want you to receive your freedom. Carry those wounds no more. And when you do that, just think about it. By the stripes, the very stripes of Jesus, we are healed. We are set free. No longer are we wounded soldiers, <laughs> but rather we are soldiers who are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thanks for listening. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.